Thanks for downloading a 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. We need your financial support to keep going. Go to www.3cr.org.au for more information and to donate online. Now stay tuned for your 3CR podcast. Sabah al Good morning, dear listeners. You're listening to Radio 3CR on 855 AM and Palestine Remembered with Yusuf Ahmad Rimawi, Robert Martin, and Nasser Al Mashni. Thanks for tuning in to another edition of Australia's only radio program that is totally dedicated to the Palestinian cause in English language. We would like to welcome our listeners on the AM dial and those who will join us later on the website 3cr.org.au forward slash podcasts. In this episode, we will be talking to Dr. Amni Badran, a high-profile Palestinian academic who will be telling us about the inside story of the holy city of Jerusalem. Stay with us and enjoy the episode. Good morning, Nasser and Robert. Morning, yes, sir. Good morning, gentlemen. Rob. We have um, a very important uh, uh, episode this week. We are going to talk uh, to an expert on Jerusalem uh, over the phone in a few minutes. But before that, Fantastic. also we have the upcoming uh, BDS conference. Yeah. So the BDS conference is called Driving Global Justice for Palestine. It'll be held at the Sydney University on the 28th and 29th of July. So any of our listeners in Sydney, please come along. And anybody from Melbourne that wants to join, I'm sure there's some tickets still available. There's up to 40 different presentations, uh, six panels over two days. So it'll be really good. I'm looking forward to going. I'm going with NASA. So it'll be uh, it'll be great. And I mean, w- one of the things we need to mention, to, to the great credit of University of Sydney, a lot of these conferences around the world have had immense Zionist pressure to cancel, but the University of Sen- uh, Sydney has not uh, bucked under that pressure. So Respect. Well, you know, absolute respect, because one of the things that anti-Palestinian people do, and you know, that's what Zionism is, is foment fear that anybody that supports BDS is probably a terrorist. You know, they're obviously anti-Semitic, but they mm. could be a terrorist. And you know, when and you the think, level of intimidation is shocking. Yeah. yeah, and when you think about it, you know, on a state level, on a federal level, we haven't had anybody speak up in a pro-Palestine, pro-BDS platform, apart from very, very recently. Or not recently, but very few. But Lee, uh, Lee Rhiannon from the Greens. We've had Maria Van Vakenu and Melissa Park, uh, mm. a, a former mildly, mildly mm. yeah. So you know what? What is a non-violent um, uh, form of solidarity with the Palestinian people to choose not to normalise relations with an, an apartheid state that is oppressing an indigenous population and fifty percent of the people within the the lands that they control? So it's a human rights issue, and, and it really beggars belief that we can't get more people to stand up. And, you know, when we talk about uh, 
only a week ago we had the Palestine Expo in London and, you know, the repeated attempts to get BDS conferences up that have been cancelled and stymied because of Zionist pressure. In France, if you wear a pro-BDS T-shirt, you can get arrested. In in, in Canada. In, in Canada. Mm. In America, you know, pro-Palestine BDS supporters are fired from their university jobs. You know, so it's, it's great credit to but University of Sydney. For what kind of message they are sending by saying if you choose a non-violence uh, means of resistance, then you are going to be incriminated? And why sticking up for Palestinians is, is anti-Semitic? What's the message they are not. sending? But this, this, is, this is the issue. You know, we've got Julie Bishop saying that BDS is anti-Semitic. And the argument, and it's hypocritical, the, the argument they use is it's hypocritical to criticize Israel. You should criticize other countries with worse human rights abuses. The challenge, though, is that Israel doesn't want to be compared to Darfur. Israel doesn't want to be compared to Syria. Israel wants to be compared to Canada, Australia, Britain, America. It wants to be normal. Not that those other countries aren't full of bastardry and done terrible jobs to their indigenous people, but they want to be normal. Well, you're not normal. And also, on the other uh, examples of dictatorship, the world agrees on, uh, on that, that, you know, this is a, a bad example, but there is controversy when it comes to Israel, and that's why we need to stand up against well, it. This is the reality. It's, we've got to protect freedom of speech. But the freedom of speech stops because they've got to protect Israel from any sort of criticism. You won't hear any, an iota of criticism no. of Israel and, and let it be uh, legitimate. One of, the, one of the best things, you know, one of the great reporters at, uh, at Haaretz, Gideon Levy, said, you know, it's become a crime to protest a crime, a crime it's, to boycott the criminal, yeah. a crime to fight violation of international law. They've turned it into a criminal act to act against the criminal. This is just absurd and Orwellian. And we'll just finish this segment just with a quote from Martin Luther King who argued, a boycott only means withdrawing from an evil system. That's not heroic. That's a moral obligation. Now remember, listeners, on this BDS driving global justice for Palestine at Sydney University on the 28th and 29th of July. Hope we can see you there. We are pleased and honoured to be joined by the telephone with Dr. Amne Badran, the head of the Department of Political Science and director of the Global Studies Institute at Al-Quds University from Palestine. Dr. Amne, thanks for being with us today on Palestine Remembered. Thank you for hosting me. Um, of course, uh, Jerusalem will be the main uh, topic of this interview, and hopefully in future we will be talking to you about maybe other non-Jerusalem Palestinian issues. Uh, but in light of what happened last Friday on the 14th of July uh, and the banning of prayer for the first time since 1969 and what followed and what preceded that of events how uh, would that be in the context of the Judaization of the Arab city of Jerusalem? Yeah, I think we can uh, relate to the issue and trace it back to uh, decades ago. Because when Israel occupied the rest of Palestine in 1967, uh, it annexed Jerusalem and imposed its uh, sovereignty over the eastern side of the city, uh, which uh, where the... Uh, Al-Aqsa Mosque or Haram al-Sharif is situated. And this is the holiest place in, for Muslims. And since then, uh, it controlled Al-Buraq uh, compound or area, and at the same time took uh, control of the keys of Al-Maghariba gate, which is one of the major gates of Al-Aqsa Mosque. And started uh, gradually 
to change the status quo, what is called the status quo in Al-Haram al-Sharif, Al-Aqsa Mosque. Uh, the status quo is, is uh, something that lasted for four uh, centuries under the rule of the Ottomans, where uh, Islamic waqf is in charge of Islamic shrines, uh, and uh, Christians are in, in charge of the Holy Sepulchre and other churches in the eastern side of the city or in Jerusalem, all over Jerusalem. Uh, Israel has an, a, a different narrative for East Jerusalem, where, uh, and this narrative is de- derived from political and religious uh, incentives. Uh, and, since, and for the last 50 years, it, is, it, it worked gradually to change this status quo and impose its control and sovereignty over the city. And in the last few years, uh, the, uh, the policies have, be, uh, have been intensified to control the city on this ground, on imposing sovereignty uh, as, a, as a political uh, demand uh, from different political uh, parties in Israel, uh, and especially the government led by Likud, by the Likud party, and at the same time saying that now we want, after 50 years of occupation, also we, have, we want to exercise the right to uh, Jewish uh, uh, rights to the to the Haram Sharif or the Al-Aqsa Mosque, uh, according to the Temple Mount, which put them in direct confrontation and clash with uh, the Muslims in Palestine. So they want to establish or to, to, to claim Jewish rights to a Muslim shrine, in other words? Yes, because uh, for in, in, uh, because Al-Aqsa is purely Muslim. The Jewish Zionist narrative would say it's not Al-Aqsa Mosque, it is the Temple Mount. And if it is the Temple Mount, then it is not Al-Aqsa. So it's either it's ours or we, will, we want to share it. And, and uh, in this process, power politics is prevailing. And you need to understand that as part of what I call the Judaism, or what most scholars name it as Judaization process. Mm-hmm. What is Judaization? It, it, it is part of the settler colonialization uh, uh, mentality, where the, the, the settlers, the Jewish settlers, uh, want to uh, change uh, reality, the facts on the ground, whereby you minimize Palestinian presence, the indigenous, the, the, the indigenous population of uh, Palestinians are pushed out of the city through different policies, like revocation of residency rights, house demolition, planning schemes, forbidding people from building homes, and so on. And at the same time, grabbing more land and taking more land uh, for the benefit of the Jewish settlers, and change the identity of the space. And here comes the issue of Al-Aqsa Mosque and other, and other important uh, religious and uh, cultural uh, uh, sites in Jerusalem, whereby they want to change the identity of it. It's not to become not Muslim and Arab, not Christian and Islamic, but to make the Jewish identity prevail. And this becomes like, this is, not, this is the, the real capital of the Jewish state. So it's more, it, it, it is it's part of a bigger scheme of settler colonialism, where the, the, the settlers prevail and the indigenous population is pushed out of the place in, 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 in material sense and in, in identity sense. Okay, so um, when, when we talk about this, and one of the challenges we have when we talk about the violence that happened last Friday... And, and it's put in a prism in Western media that this is, you know, Palestinian violence. 
And and what's removed from that narrative is the fact that occupation is violence. And what if I can get from what you're talking about, Dr. Amna, is, it, is your thought that there's a move towards transforming this into a more religious uh, context from a settler colonialist one? Dragging the conflict from political to religious conflict. Because they want to claim a right and to claim a right based on religion and uh, biblical narrative. And they want to take it out of being a political uh, conflict whereby there is an occupied and occupier. And according to international law, uh, the occupied territories of 1967, including East Jerusalem, is occupied and it's illegally occupied by Israel. And uh, there is a, uh, a UN resolution that was uh, recognized by most of the world, speak about uh, recognizing a Palestinian state with East Jerusalem its capital in 2012, including East Jerusalem. So uh, Israel does not abide by international law, and it has been treated above international law because of the support of, in the, of international powers, especially the U.S., and it is moving ahead with, the, with its schemes to, um, uh, to impose its sovereignty and claim religious rights to support a political so-called right between inverted commas. Can I ask, uh, Doctor, what is the impact of the, in the regional dynamics of the conflict? How is it affecting everyone or the countries around it? I think that the religious dynamics, uh, which, ha- which has uh, prevail- uh, more or less prevailed in, in the last few years in the, in the Middle East area, uh, have weakened Arab states, which has already been weak, but it has weakened states, has almost fragmented many of the, uh, of the existing states. And this gives Israel the more power to impose its uh, uh, plan to create facts on the ground in all Palestine and in Jerusalem in particular. And making the, 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 uh, uh, and the fact that there are factional conflicts in the, uh, based on religious uh, grounds in, in the region makes Israel... Uh, claim for a Jewish state as being accepted, as being normal. Because if, if, there's a con- if in Iraq or in Syria the conflict is religious, then why not in Palestine? And this is dangerous. This is quite dangerous because it, if, it, if it can market or sell the, the idea of a Jewish state, then this means that Muslims and Christians, Arabs, are out of the picture. Uh, have, uh, uh, the rights are undermined, whether inside the state of Israel or in the occupied territories, occupied by the state of Israel. Uh, uh, so the, 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 this argument of, 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 reli- of religion making uh, becoming the, uh, the backbone of state making, uh, this has a, a negative effect on the region and, of course, on the Palestinians. And through this process, Israel with the support of the U.S., will be the most prominent power in the region, now, more than before. Doctor, in support of your views, uh, I recall being uh, invited to a forum two months ago where the topic was uh, Muslims and minorities. 
So Israel now introduces itself as the guardian of the Middle East minorities, whether Christian, uh, Arabs, uh, or Kurdish, or Coptic Egyptians, and other minorities of the Middle East. So that could be within the uh, within the frame of what you are saying, that now the Middle East is not an Arab uh, region. It's a, a region where there is militant Islam uh, facing or uh, imposing threats on uh, religious and ethnic minorities. Do you agree with that? Exactly. Israel tries to, to, to re-sell itself as a hub for democracy, as a, a, a haven for democracy, uh, where Muslims kill Muslims and kill others. And the others are my different minorities within the Middle East. And by, by doing that, it, it uh, demonizes Muslims as Sunni Muslims and Shia Muslims who fight against each other and uh, at the same time um, discriminate against the so-called other between inverted commas. And this is quite dangerous because it, uh, Israel is, uh, is the source of instability in the region, but it sells itself to the world or markets itself as the uh, source of stability. Yes, we see uh, that here in Australia. In this, in this way, it, 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 it switches facts, really. But it is, it is the, and, uh, it uses its power to uh, destroy, to, to, stay, to be part of the destruction of the region, while it, it prevails as a, the strongest power in it. Yeah, well, so our, our audience, Dr. Amna, are well versed in the apartheid that is uh, Israel and what it does to the Palestinians. And you spoke a moment ago about the hub of democracy. I mean, you're a Palestinian and you're, you're in Jerusalem. You're the head of a uh, department of, uh, of a prestigious university. Tell us what it's like for you on a normal day, trying to get to work or to you know, buy groceries or to take your children to school. What's it like for a Palestinian in Jerusalem to live a normal day? Take us through that. You know, we, we, I cannot claim that we have ever lived a normal day in East Jerusalem. Mm. I was born after the occupation of 1967. I have been living all my life under military rule. And uh, in the and what I know is uh, is the life of being uh, ruled by the other without having equal rights and we have without having access to uh, um, to services like any other one in a in, in a state of its own. So I live in I live in my in my country, but I don't live under the rule of my state. I'm 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 stateless. So for the, last, for the last 45 years, I have been stateless, living under a, a rule of another nation and another state which occupies my land and my uh, uh, control the livelihood of my life of every day. Of every day. So, so, Dr. Amna, we, we understand that from, from a conceptional basis, but tell us like what it's like driving through Colombia or a checkpoint or you know, the, the, the reality of just trying to do something what a normal Western person might think is normal, to pay a bill or to return a book to a library? You know, I, I, I live in Shafat area, and to come to, to travel to Abu Dis, it, mean, it means that I don't use the normal way where I can go to uh, uh, the old city, to bus by the old city to Ras al and then in 20 minutes I can be in Abu Dis. With the build, uh, after the uh, construction of the apartheid wall, I ended. I end up going through a bypass road that uh, surrounds the uh, the eastern side of the city, 
cross uh, Zion uh, checkpoint and then go to Ma'ale Adumim uh, Jewish settlement and then go to Aizariya to the east, to the east and then come to uh, enter Abu Dis. So a, a, a travel that used to take 15 to 20 minutes, it ends up with 50 minutes or one hour uh, on a normal day. So if, but if the checkpoint is full, it means that I can stay for uh, an hour or two waiting to get my, myself in, into the city. This is just a small example. Uh, aside from uh, being always afraid of uh, uh, eruption of demonstrations, of uh, uh, being uh, uh, harassed by soldiers, uh, and so on. And, and life in, in Jerusalem is becoming quite harsh, bearing in mind the, the high taxation and the, the bad uh, infrastructure. You, you know, in Jerusalem, uh, many of the neighborhoods of East Jerusalem have ended up like slums because of lack of uh, infrastructure or bad infrastructure. Uh, you know, in, uh, 40 years ago when we were children, we, we, Jerusalem was beautiful. But uh, now it, it becomes like dirt is everywhere. And there is no... Uh, uh, because of lack of permits for construction, it becomes a slum. Most of its neighborhoods are becoming slums. Uh, even though the Palestinians pay their taxation to the Israeli municipality, in return they get 10% of all the money they, they, they uh, pay to the municipality. So Let, let's, let's get this point right, if you pay. don't mind. Uh, so you pay equal tax like Jews in East Jerusalem, but you get 10% of services. Well, that's apartheid. I was also going to ask, and this might be a really simple, stupid question for a Westerner to ask, but when you look at the at the checkpoints and when you see the soldiers, do, they, do you think that the Jewish people see you as an equal? You, you know from day one that you are not an equal. You are you are uh, treated as a threat, and you are treated as a, a, a demographic threat and uh, as a personal threat to the city the so-called uh, security of the status of Israel. And Israel has been using this politics of fear uh, since its, uh, since its uh, establishment, whether uh, vis-a-vis Palestinian citizens of Israel or Palestinians living in the occupied territories of 67. It is this politics of fear that makes the Israelis treat the Palestinians as a threat, as an as subhuman in many cases. Well, just, this is something that, uh, that people over here and in America just have no conception of, no idea that, uh, that the people that have been living in the, in the place, the generations, are being treated like that. It's a, it's a horrible, sad state of affairs, and mm. I think you know, we need to wake up and see exactly what's happening. Now, Dr. Amne, also I want to ask about the different status or system that Israel created for the Arabs of Jerusalem compared to the Palestinians, I would say the Palestinians of Jerusalem compared to the Palestinians of West Bank because they don't live under the same rules and regulations. So please explain to us the difference between, uh, from regulations and laws point of view between Jerusalem and West Bank. You know, uh, Jerusalem is part of the West Bank, but since the occupation of 1967, the, the Palestinian citizens of uh, Palestinian residents of East Jerusalem, uh, which was annexed then uh, according to certain municipality borders that Israel imposed, that, that the state of Israel imposed, they were given what is called 
permanent residency status. This means that they are residents of the of the of the city, but they are not citizens of the city. Uh, the uh, West Bank, the rest of the West Bank, they were gi given uh, status of being under military rule. And later on, when the Palestinian National Authority was established, uh, they were uh, given uh, uh, the citizenship uh, associated with the Palestinian National Authority. Uh, and the Palestinian National Authority is, is responsible of uh, the, uh, everyday life in, in, in the West Bank, but according to the classification of that was uh, accept, uh, that was agreed upon in Oslo Accord, where uh, land was uh, the classified as areas A, B, and C, and each has certain rules to administrate it. One is A under Palestinian rule, B under Palestinian rule in terms of services, but not in terms of security, and C is totally under Israeli um, admin and security uh, control. When it comes to Jerusalem, uh, Jerusalem issue was, uh, according to also accord, left as an issue to be discussed in the final status negotiations, but it never this final settlement never happened. And the, the, the Palestinians of East Jerusalem and East Jerusalem was uh, left in a, in, a, in a limbo, whereby they don't know, how, they are not under the rule of Palestinian National Authority, but at the same time, they are not citizens in their own city, and they are treated as um, residents who can, at any time, Israel treats them as someone who comes to the city and their right of residency can be revoked under different pretexts. For example, if you are if you live outside of the city for uh, a certain number of years, Israel can, according to Israeli law, revoke your residency and say your, your center of life is not anymore in Jerusalem, and you lose your residency right in Jerusalem. If you, uh, in, in recent years, people who have been uh, associated with resistance activities, they were uh, accused of not being uh, allegiance to the state of Israel, and uh, there have been a number of cases where their uh, residency rights were revoked from a number of uh, members of the Palestinian Legislative Council because they uh, they are not allegiant to the state, which is of course which is an occupying state. So, in in, in that sense, uh, they live in uh, the legal status of Palestinians in East Jerusalem is, is full of contradictions. You know, a state comes and controls you, but and says you are not, uh, we, con we the controls the place, but you are not part of the place. Mm. Yeah. So uh, we've run out of time, Dr. Amne. But again, thank you very much, Dr. Amne Badran, Head of Department of Political Science and Director of the Global Studies Institute at Quds University in Palestine. And a wonderful uh, uh, testament to Palestinian women, women following, obviously, Dr. May from last week as well. Thanks again, Dr. Amne. You are welcome. Two days ago, I posted on a Facebook page called Ask Jerusalem. This post, I said, Hello, my name is Yusuf. Um, I am a radio host uh, in Australia. Say something about Jerusalem or on behalf of Jerusalem, and I promise to convey your message to Australian listeners. I expected something like five, seven likes and maybe three comments, but I received more than 500 likes and maybe more than 100 comments. So, like I promised them, I will read a few of them. Um, not 
ranking them according to importance. Just random uh, comments. From Hazim, Al-Qudsu, Ghaniyatun an al-Tarif, Al-Qudsu Arabiya, Wasal al-Hijara wal-Judran, Fahiyya tatakallamu Arabi. Jerusalem is an Arab city, and if you don't believe me, ask the rocks and stones, they speak Arabic. Uh, he goes on, Wujud al-Ihtilal munaghis ala al-Jami'a, Muslimina wa Misihiyin. The Israeli occupation does not differentiate between Muslims and Christians. From Linda Shawqi, ضربوا النساء واعتقلوا الرجال وأغلقوا أقصانا. They hit the women, they arrested the men, and they locked our Aqsa. From Ruba al-Sharif, المسجد الأقصى خط أحمر ولن نركع لمطالب إسرائيل. Al-Aqsa is a red line and we will not submit to the Israeli demands. Of course, uh, there are uh, several uh, messages and comments um, rejecting uh, uh, the Israeli uh, orders uh, to erect uh, electronic gates um, to force the uh, worshippers uh, to go through these electric electronic uh, gates and that they will never accept that. But I will end with a comment from Suhair Mhalwis. قل لهم إن في القدس رجالا ونساء وأطفالا سيحمون الأقصى بأرواحهم ودمائهم. قل لهم إن الأقصى سيبقى صامدا إلى الأبد. I say to the Australians that the men, women and children of Jerusalem will defend Al-Aqsa with their hearts, souls and blood and that Al-Aqsa will never be broken. We've come to the end of this week's episode of Palestine. Remembered uh, that we dedicated to uh, Jerusalem. Thanks for tuning in to another edition. And we will be with you next week, uh, next Saturday, 9.30 in the morning. Until then, this is Yusuf, Nasser and Robert wishing you the best of time. And Salam. Listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.